Yo, what is up, chumps? Welcome back to the Fantasy Chumps podcast, episode number 32 of our first season. Um, just pure madness at this point. This, oh this, episode, this episode is titled The Madness of the NFL, by the way. Um, joining me is my good friend, Nate. Nate, how are you doing today? You know, I'm in good spirits on this Tuesday when we're recording. Sunday may have been one of the worst days I've had as a professional football watcher in a long time. Um, Why, my man? team, as we'll get into, uh, just took an okay. early exit from our playoffs. Huge upset by someone that I traded with at the end of the year who basically tanked their team and sold out for next year, and they beat me. Like, I don't know how it gets much worse than that. The person that he traded me, Dalvin Cook, got hurt last (laughs) week and did not play. And then, I mean, honestly, this was – Ethan was the one. uh, Shout out to him. He made some insane waiver moves. Uh I would like to call Daryl Henderson uh, a lot of names, but he's he's soft, and he should have sued up because him being out led to Sony Michelle going off, having a career day, That's and that awesome. was ultimately uh, that ultimately led to my demise. That's but that's amazing. not true at all. It was my team through and through. Well, we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, John is studying hard for some finals and everything. So we're wishing him the best of luck in that. So hopefully he finishes out strong this semester for us. Um, but we're going to start out here with a quick question of the pod. This is from me. I didn't even look at our Instagram because I knew this is what I was going to ask. Nate, so if I could teleport back to the beginning of the season, our the first episode before the season started or before our fantasy draft. What would you think I would tell you, both in real life and fantasy football, would you not have believed at the beginning of the season? Um, do you have, like, an answer there? Or is this just, like, anything that can come to my mind? Anything that can come to your mind. That, I like, mean, yeah. so uh, it was probably believable, but... Uh, not how we were making it out to be, but I would say um, Jonathan Taylor's success right now, I think at the beginning of the year and really heading into the draft, I think you, John, and I were pretty low on him. Um, I, okay. With, Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say with what we were hearing about injuries on the offensive line, injuries to Carson Wentz, it seemed like a lot was going to fall onto Jonathan's Taylor, Jonathan Taylor's plate. And we saw that kind of as a negative. Um, he really, he finished the season last year really strong. Uh, we weren't sure if that was quite sustainable, but holy cow, it has been. Uh, that's a great answer. In terms of, I'll answer fantasy first. I have two answers. Um, <laughs> I'll go with my I'll go with my first one. If you would have told me that 
the consensus top four fantasy picks for running backs, that none of them would be inside the top six, I would not have believed you. If you were to tell me that Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara, none of them were in the top six. Derrick Henry should have a star. He does have a star, but so should McCaffrey, right? He's healthy. McCaffrey never showed signs, though, that he was going to. Nate. What? Every time he played, he was good. Uh, I mean, he played in two games. Derrick Henry played in like eight and was like dominant. Let me see. Let me see. Right? Well, okay. So McCaffrey played in three, seven games this season out of 12. Um, and two of them, he got hurt. So in the three games he played, he scored 28, 25, 14, 26, and 25 fantasy points. It's pretty good. So. Pretty good. I, I mean, guess I didn't really realize that. Like, okay, for example, if he didn't get hurt against Houston and he played all the way until week 12 where he got hurt again, if just putting up on average those numbers, that's basically what Derek Henry did. So, I mean, Derek Henry, too. I'll look him up. I, I just couldn't believe. Because, like, okay, yeah. So, Derek Henry got hurt in week eight. So, for the first seven games of the season, seven, same amount of games, he had 10, 48. 19, 26, 31, 36, 16, and then six when he got hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, they're both crazy good. But like, both should, should have, yeah. But, yeah, like, if you were telling me, you know, those two, Cook and Kamara, they'd be outside the top four. And, wait, hang on. Yeah, with the exception of Derrick Henry. Actually, they're all outside the top eight. Derrick Henry is number eight still. That's how good he was. Um, <laughs> then, like, I would not have believed you. It's just, it's crazy. And then... That is ridiculous. I think the other thing is, if you were to tell me at the beginning of the season that Cooper Cup would be the number one fantasy wide receiver overall, I would not have believed you. By like a huge margin too. He has sixty more fantasy points than Justin Jefferson, who's currently number two. Sixty. That's absurd. So that's, that's where, unbelievable. That's where my two come in. Um, yeah. Uh, that this was a thought that I had honestly like two hours ago before we started recording was how well would a I I don't know I was thinking of what my team was like last year um, at the one that won our league with Al- Alvin Kamara, um, Aaron Jones, um, Darren Waller on that. And so I was thinking of like, if you had a full squad of like top ranked players in the league last year, how well would that perform this year? And I'm not even sure if it would really be a contender for a title. Like I think it'd be a playoff team, but yeah, just with the injuries and and the fluctuations there, I don't even know if it would be really that impressive, right? 
I mean, yeah, with the injuries. I mean, t- yeah, who were who were top positions last year? It was Kamara, running back. Who was who was top wide receiver? Probably Devonte and Tyreek. Uh, Devonte then Tyreek, then Stephon Diggs, of course. Mm-hmm. Top uh, tight end was Kelsey, then Waller right behind him, by a large gap, and then Robert Tunyon. Running back was Kamara, Cook, Henry, David Montgomery, and Aaron Jones was the top five. Yeah. And so. Uh, it's a good team, but it's super hit or miss, even when they were healthy this year. Yeah. We haven't seen nearly as much out of Kamara, nearly as much out of out of um, Waller. Or I guess you said Kelsey. Yeah, but, I mean, splitting hairs. Yeah, but now it's hairs. like, yeah, it, it, it's just changing so much every year. It seems to be. Yep. I think you you really, especially this year too, I mean, take note of how many rookies that, that are inside the top tens at their position. Rookies uh, and like second-year players too. Rookies and second-year players. I mean, you have to really try and like do your due diligence and researching rookies coming into the year, assessing the opportunities that they're going to have in the offense. Yada yada. I was guilty of not doing that for the longest time yeah. until last year. I kind of, you just, you have to. And that's really where you can have an advantage um, yeah, over, over some people. Yeah, because Jalen Waddle and Jamar Chase are wide receiver 10 and 11 right now. Yep. It's just like, and then that's if you look funny. at second year players, Justin Jefferson's number two. Um, okay, Debo, it's his third season. Uh, but then you have, Michael Pittman at 14, uh, C.D. Lamb at 17. You know, you can just, mm-hmm. just keep going down the list. It's insane. Um, it, sorry. No, that was it. <laughs> um, I was going to say one more thing for the Q question of the day. Um, a real-life thing that I wouldn't have believed at the beginning of the season is the Arizona Cardinals having the best record through through this point in the season. Um, nine and two so far. I would not have guessed that. I think I had them projected to go last in their division this year. Yeah, you did. Because I, I remember I was like, I think this, I think the Colonels could like make the playoffs. Like I was, I think that was like a hot take when I, I don't think I said on the podcast, but I was like, you know, I think the, the Cardinals could be good. That was my like statement. Like, oh, you know, they might squeak in wild card playoff team, but. It's, I mean, they almost they almost were in last year, or did they did they make the playoffs? No, they were close last year. I'm pretty sure they were close when Actually, Kyler got hurt, and then they they got better really in every area in the offseason. Look it up. So yeah, last year they were the. Yep, they barely missed the playoffs. Were they nine and seven? They were eight and eight. Eight and eight. Yep, and they were, yeah, they were they barely missed it, so. Um, that's that's crazy. But yeah, if I had to pick a real life thing this year, if you told me that I hate I hate that I have to say this. If you if you told me that the New England Patriots would be nine and four at the top of that's, the SC. That's a big one too. I would have not believed you. Like I knew they were gonna be better. Like they weren't gonna be worse than last year, right? So I was like, okay, I think they'll make the playoffs maybe as a wild card team, they'll be fighting for that. No, they've been good. 
So, the, oh, and then if you told me the Seahawks were four and eight, I wouldn't have believed that either. So there's that for you. Yep. Um, that was a good question. I know. I, I was very proud of myself. Sure um, so moving on to the news section, we'll kind of, I guess, breeze through this since we kind of already know a lot of this. So, Nate, I'll just let you take the floor. Man, well, what happened? I do not know, man. <laughs> I really don't know. We just – we kind of got into it at the very top of the show. But um, I have no idea what happened. I feel like I, somebody just told a big lie to my face and then went around my back and did something different. Yeah. I feel like I was betrayed by my entire roster. Yeah. They're all frauds, every single one of them. No one's safe on there. Travis Kelsey, like, who are you? I thought you were tight in one. You're not. George Kittle's better than you, bro. Whoa, Nate. Um, but, yeah. It was. It just felt bad. It it didn't feel good even before that whole first round started. Just felt like there was an upset brewing. Um, I had a really impressive roster, I thought, but they. Ju- I just couldn't get any consistency. Even going into the playoffs, they were hit or miss. Jamar Chase, my my concerns were validated. I was I didn't want to trade John for Jamar Chase at the end of the season. I said I think he's too touchdown dependent, and I don't think it's sustainable. And that has been case in point. He has to have touchdowns and big plays to uh, to be relevant. Honestly, he scored like eight points, ten points, thirteen points for me in the three weeks he played. That's good. After being wide receiver like three, I think when I got him, yeah, Just can't can't do that. But um, no, it was it was a big bummer. But yeah, it, I think the very first play that I saw when I got on red zone was is the Chargers and Bengals game, and Joe Burrow hit Jamar Chase on a deep route or on a go, and Jamar caught it. Brought it in, was securing the ball, dropped it, and then it got picked off by the Chargers. It was it was six points, like it was a touchdown. Yeah, and somehow he bobbled it and popped into the Chargers' hands. Then I think Austin Eckler fumbled it twice, and <sighs> <He> then <laughs> could never get anything going. But um, props to Ethan. Yeah, never it was, up. It was impressive. Not gonna lie. It was. Also, these uh, final standing projections on ESPN suck. So, just saying. They projected me on draft day to to be 10th in our league. Worst I can be is 4th, baby. (laughs) Pretty good. So, um, kind of moving on to the actual news. So, I know the Chiefs spanked them. But Javante Williams was in fuego, Nate. That is Spanish for on fire, I think. Oh, and I'm aware. <laughs> he, he's good. He's good at football. Yeah, he's really good. I, I mean, he that was that, – as somebody that is was on, like, an opposing team against the Chiefs, like, that was one of the most impressive rookie performances I think I've ever seen, quite honestly. I mean, he – that was the – 
headline that you kind of got going into it that Javante Williams was impossible to bring down, was going to break tackles, it was going to be gang tackling that was going to be able to slow him down. And like that was, you saw that on like his first two carries. It took four or five guys to eventually get him to the ground. It was crazy. So it reminded me a bit of like a Le'Veon Bell back in the day. Yeah. Just it, it, he'd hit, he would bounce off hits, he would absorb them, he'd carry people. He was patient, good receiver. It's it's impressive, dude. Does it as as you are a Javante Williams holder? Let's go. How, how <laughs> annoyed are you after seeing that that it's taken this long? Well, I to mean, get him. The to, be, to be fair, Melvin Gordon hasn't been bad this year. As much as I hate to say it, but Javante has been so much better, and like. I was I was thinking going into the season when I drafted him in like the fifth round, which was super high. I was thinking Melvin Gordon's gonna get hurt, or they're just gonna give the rock to Javante like the whole like last half of the season. And so we saw what happens when Melvin Gordon is out and he's the true one. Like twenty nine fantasy points. That's an, that's really good. <laughs> it looked pretty easy too. Yeah, like the the dim, the Broncos offense was terrible. They had a drive that lasted like thirty minutes of real life time. They didn't get any points. That's how bad they are. Could you imagine if they get an upgrade at quarterback and Javante's the guy next year? But okay, not to stay on this too long. Nate, where where do you think he goes next year in drafts? Just like quick, like one two sentence answer. I think he. I could very realistically see him going and. That end round of the so it'd be the second round, so it would be like early, early half of the second round. It was almost where like Eckler and Aaron Jones and Gibson and Clyde were going. I I, I think he'll be in the first round. You think he will? Like, if you think about it, like past maybe like the top, like I think the top six players are set, Mm -hmm. right? Nothing's going to change that. So, like, if I'm at seven, you're going to be probably debating between Javante, Austin Eckler, because I think people will just be scared by his age a little bit, and probably, like, the best receiver. Because I think next year, the top of the board should be McCaffrey. Well, not in any order. Jonathan Taylor, Harris, Derrick Henry, McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Austin Eckler. That's your top seven, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like, who do you take after that? If you're only taking running back, I mean, I would pick Javante. If Melvin Gordon leaves and they don't bring in somebody substantial. Would Melvin Gordon have to leave? Like, would they have to trade him? So he's out of contract after this year. Is he? Yeah. Okay. And he's getting paid, like, $8 million, so I think he'll walk. Yeah. But – I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because if you can get Javante Williams at eight, nine, ten, and you get that wraparound, that's a very appealing spot to me. So just just my two cents. Next year will be a super exciting draft, I think, for fantasy. I'm telling you, it's the turn, it's it's the end of an era. But um, okay, we'll move on to more present news. We'll rant about that for after the season 
<laughs> Logan Thomas hurt his knee. Yannick Ngakwe, your bum. He's likely out a few weeks, if not the season. It was feared he tore his ACL and MCL. The results came back more positive. I haven't seen any updates, but the fact that it was more positive and they didn't just immediately say that, I think that's a good sign. Um, Kenyon Drake broke his ankle out for the season. Josh Jacobs to the moon? Question mark? No, <laughs> not really. Okay. <laughs> I'm not very uh, optimistic on anybody from the Raiders offense. The only reason I ask is because he had like nine targets. Yeah, I mean, I, that is also with Darren Waller out. Waller could be coming back this week. That, yeah, you're right. Yeah, fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it helps him. I don't know how, how much that elevates Josh Jacobs, but... Dude, nine, he, nine catches for 39 yards. It's, it's an easy 12. Very easy 12. Um, remaining schedule... Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, Colts, and Chargers, if you're curious. Um, Jalen Hurts, I just kind of put this in here because, let's be honest, I'm a homer. Um, he should be go. He should be good to go after the bye week, which they are on this upcoming week. Daniel, Daniel Jones and Mike Lennon are both slated to be out next week. If you have any Giants players and you're playing them, I'm sorry. Ah, there's nobody on that team I play. Would you play anybody, Nate? Would you play Saquon? Yeah, I would play Saquon. I think you, you still got to keep trying him. Yeah, Especially if you have Saquon, I'm, I'm not sure you have many other options. <laughs> That's very true. Darren, Darnell, Daryl Henderson did not play. Sony Michelle, Nate, you talked about it. Looked pretty good. All right, that's all I needed was that face. Uh, Karen Waller was also out. Should be good to go next week against the Chiefs, but we'll see what happens. Um, oh, uh, back to the uh, Daryl Henderson, Sony Michelle. Go for it. Some news, Cam Akers could return for the playoffs is what I heard. Uh, like when you say the playoffs, like the actual playoffs? Uh, yeah, NFL playoffs. So not really fantasy related, but I mean, if you have him in um, Dynasty. Dynasty and you just want to see what he's looking like after a year of not doing diddly. Well, I'd be surprised if they played him, right? I mean, I think it was Sean McVay that said that he, if he was ready to go, that he would he would get back in there. Well, I mean, it's fair, I guess, but. I mean, Sonny Michelle's on a one-year deal. Daryl Henderson's not. I'm looking this up currently as we speak. I Yeah, if you are the Rams, I don't know why you would do that and risk it unless you think that Sony Michelle – or not, excuse me, Cam Akers yeah. is that much of, like, a difference maker compared to those other two. And it seemed to think going into the year that he was, like, he was the much more explosive option and – um, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, next year, Sony Michelle's out of a contract, so he won't be on the Rams. It'll be Daryl Henderson's last year of his deal, so it's it's interesting to look at. It's something to keep in mind, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, good point, by the way. I totally forgot about that. 
I hope he doesn't play because I have him in our fantasy league or a dynasty league. Um, so where what was I saying? Um, oh yeah. So now we're gonna move on to the main kind of event, I guess. We're gonna examine because let's be honest, there's not a lot going on. It's outside of Sunday. This is like the most boring time for fantasy football because if you have a competitive league, nobody's out there on waivers. More than half the league isn't invested anymore. And you're just more, you know, kind of focused on good football. But if you're still in it, those Sundays are stressful. Trust me. I watched Kamara score six touchdowns. So um, <laughs> let's go. Let's start with the – you want to start with the easiest or the hardest, Nate? Let's start with the hardest. The hardest? Okay. We can do that. So the hardest in descending order – Browns, Ravens, Panthers, Steelers, and Lions. Uh, and so basically, I'm just kind of evaluating this for rest of the season rankings. I know it's not a super long time, but like if you have Lamar Jackson, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, if he come if he's healthy, DeAndre Swift, if he's healthy as well, like does the strength of schedule like impact you at this point nate or like how do you how do you think it kind of evaluates how you put your lineup out yeah i've really never been one to pay a ton of attention to to matchups and strength of schedule and things of that nature i think it would make a difference free deadline like trade deadline Mm -hmm. if there was uh the opportunity to get somebody that did have favorable matchups going into the playoffs, then I would pay attention to that, I think. Um, but once it gets to playoffs, I think you just have to – you got to, for the most part, I would say stick with your best players um, or the players that got you there. Definitely, if, if weird circumstances can happen, though, and one that I'm thinking of is um, – by the way, how did he play this weekend, Alexander Madison? He was pretty freaking good. Yeah, but so things like that. I mean, he's definitely not your your A1 guy, but when there's somebody like that that is just by fluke almost or by injury of another player is going to get a ton of work, then uh, you're going to put him in. But I think for strength of schedule, it is important to look at, but I'm – when in doubt, I think uh, talent's the tiebreaker. That's fair. Yeah, you have to, I think, definitely go with the more talented guy. Mm-hmm. Instead, I for sure agree with that. But um, you kind of had a counter in, with uh, with Zeke this week. I did. Tell everybody your thought process on that. Because... So let me, let me look at my team to make sure I don't get it wrong. Um, I have so my running backs because I was graceful enough to be higher in the waiver wire compared to everybody else in the playoffs. I picked up Alexander Madison. And so my running backs were Zeke, Joe Mixon, Alexander Madison, Elijah Mitchell, and Javante Williams. So I was pretty happy with that room. Um, So Zeke was playing the Saints, hardest or best defense against running backs. I decided to... So in since it was the second of the, the two legs, I decided since I was leading to be more conservative in my approach, and I sat Zeke. 
um, because I knew his ceiling was capped. Or I, let me rephrase that. I thought his floor was capped heavily. Like I didn't think there was a chance. Like I thought it was a higher possibility. Like he doesn't get in double digits than all of like four of those guys I mentioned, right? So I didn't play him, and it was Thursday night. There was rumors about his knee being banged up. He only had 6.7 fantasy points. So I was feeling really like big brand about that. But I also didn't start Javante Williams against the Chiefs just because the Chiefs defense has been playing good. Where um, Joe Mixon was playing the Chargers, Madison was playing the Lions, and Elijah Mitchell was playing the Seahawks. And I thought those were a lot more favorable matchups. Like I thought they would be ahead. Actually, I thought they would all be ahead. <laughs> in the game so they'd be more in a run heavy script and i thought the broncos would be behind the chiefs which they were the whole game because the broncos are a terrible football team but um just had to get it in there the um but they just gave him the ball a lot they targeted him nine times which was i think the highest of the team which i wasn't expecting that to be honest so if i would have known if i would have if i had some inkling that he'd get that many targets i think i would have taken Elijah out, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't really fault my yeah. So I definitely I, hindsight's 2020. Right. But yeah, I I, I was uh, John was asking us for advice before um I think the game started and he was asking about Javante Williams, Elijah Mitchell, and Antonio Gibson, right? And he was he needed two to play. And we yeah. both said to bench Javante. And yeah, just I mean those other two that the other two didn't play bad by any means. No. Antonio Gibson another good week. Um, Elijah Mitchell played pretty solid, but uh, but yeah, that was that was kind of funny. But yeah, that was our outlook on on the past couple weeks for running backs playing the Chiefs' defense. They had not been doing too hot. For whatever reason, Javante went beast mode. He did. So <laughs> fair, fair to him. I respect it. Um, but yeah, so that's just something I think you know is important to kind of look at. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like, especially like when looking at running backs. So perfect example is the Baltimore Ravens. They have a really good running back playing quarterback, um, and he has a tough strength of schedule. And when you're running back is throwing interceptions as well as not running the ball a ton kind of, you know, kind of puts a damper on things. Cause I'm, I know. I'm ahead. so tired of Lamar Jackson thinking the football field is a basketball court. Shoot, yeah. Shooting jump shots, fade yeah. away passes to the end zone that just get picked off. Yeah. He's not like, who is not, this guy? He's not been impressing me if I'm being honest. Not at all. Uh, Cause I know I make jokes all the time about Lamar Jackson, but I think he's been bad. And when you're playing against the Packers, the Rams, Bengals, Steelers, and Browns to finish the season, so three divisional games, and then the Rams and the Packers, who the Packers are arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL right now, outside of the the Kansas City Chiefs, um, it's just hard to kind of go with that. So I, I mean, if you have a solid backup for any of those like teams, I definitely like. Just take it a week by week basis. Like, don't drop anybody or anything. But I would definitely just kind of keep that in mind when you're looking. Because in this scenario, hopefully your roster is deep enough, or you at least have a solid backup to kind of pivot to if the matchup's better. So that's just what I kind of look at. Mm-hmm. 
Um, is there anything else you want to talk about with the hardest matchups remaining? Um, so with the Browns and the split backfield, yes, um, I would just keep an eye on that. Well, you said they played the Ravens two more times. So the Browns play the Packers, Ravens, oh. Bengals, Steelers, and the Raiders. The Raiders okay. have been surprisingly good at against the run. Yeah. It's been a pretty tough year for uh, Nick Chubb holders. He's been hurt, and then he really hasn't gotten back to form mm-hmm. since since his return. Um, I just I think that's hard, and with difficult matchups, the way Baker's been playing, I think I just don't see how their offense is going to do very well, really yeah. in a matchup. I, I don't either. So I'm kind of avoiding besides Lamar Jackson and Najee Harris. Everybody else yeah. is like not favorable to me so that's just yeah. where i kind of stand with them yeah but um i really don't have too much else to say there just things to keep in mind you definitely want to i i Layton, when you're going into a matchup or like or a fantasy week and you're thinking about who to start do you try and like script the game in your head i heard you saying that you're when you're deciding which running backs to start you expected the Bengals, whoever else, to be mm-hmm. winning and running the ball a lot. Do you think about that going – like when you're approaching a roster setup? I will answer that right after this break. Nate, that was such a good question. Oh, thanks, Layton. Uh, I need you to repeat really it. really mean it? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's try and remember. No, so, oh wait. You asked me if I tried to project the game script, essentially. Yeah, kinda. when you're when you're picking players to start or just coming up with your roster construction for a week. Uh, yeah, uh, how do you go into the? How do you approach that? Or what do you try to do to predict how like a game's going to flow? So. And what your player's involvement is going to be. What do I do? I mean, yeah. that's sounding too, you know, I, I don't want to say egocentric, but I guess, I, I don't guess, I project what I think will happen based off what I know about both these teams, right? So right now my quarterback is Derek Carr, for example. Gross, I know. Jalen Hurts, unfortunately, is has a bye week. The greatest fantasy quarterback of all time. And I was looking at, like, Cam Newton versus the Falcons, Taylor Heineke versus the Cowboys. They have a good defense. Cam Newton's up and down. But Derek Carr's playing the Chiefs. I don't see a very high likelihood where the Raiders blow out the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to throw, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why, like – the more likely thing is it's a competitive game where the Chiefs are winning by a lot, where the Raiders have to throw anyway, like last time. And last time he had uh, 18 fantasy points with an interception. So, like, that's not terrible for, like, a back right. quarterback. Um, and then I look at, like, um, okay, Stephon Diggs. Not that I'm ever going to sit him, but he's playing. they're playing the Bucks. Do I think the Bills are going to boat race the Bucks? Probably not. 
So I, I don't like go super in depth about it, but it's more important for running backs, I think, because you know I I have Javante against Detroit. Do I think they're gonna be getting blown out by the Lions? No, because I feel like running backs get game scripted out by far the most of any position. So yeah. I just I just try to I guess keep that in mind compared to other positions. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That does. And that's honestly, I've never done that. <laughs> oh, you've never done it before? Truly, no. I I honestly haven't done that much. I, I think the way that you do, at least, with like the thinking of how people could get game scripted out, mm-hmm. I've never done that before. I've done it where it's like, so this season I had Amari Cooper on my team. Right. And for a while there, there was uh, a lot of the Cowboys wide receivers going in and out of like IR and stuff or going to be out. Mm-hmm. CD was hurt for a bit while Amari was hurt. Then Gallup came back. But you have to think usually that if one receiver is out, that's going to benefit the other two. Like mm-hmm. they, they will get more targets or have a better chance of getting a higher target share. So that was like something that I thought about was like, well, is CD back and fully healthy? Because if he is, that's a risk for Amari. I don't want to play Amari if that's if I have a better option. Like I'll just play Brandon Cooks or whatever. Yeah, who's going to be the number one no matter what on his team? And like you said, they're probably going to be losing, so throwing the ball. But um, yeah, um, that's more of like what I have done. But I like, especially at least what you did for quarterbacks right Um, because even though we think of like that that Chiefs game that Derek Carr played in a few weeks back I think everybody would say that he didn't play very well right but 18 points is probably right there with his projection and that's Mm -hmm. a good game for a quarterback like that's not going to lose you a week no any means exactly so another thing I also look at, this is more in the playoffs. I don't know if anybody else does this. It, it's harder in the regular season because you, I feel like during the regular season, you just go for like who has the most upside every week, right? Um, mm-hmm. But since in when you're in the playoffs, since you have two like weeks to do it too, I think helps. But so like, for example, in the first round, Ben – I was beating Ben by like 35 points, right? So I looked at it like, okay, I want to play the most conservative, like talented lineup I can, right? So obviously I'm not going to play a guy who averages eight points every week if I have Joe Mixon or something instead. But if somebody was like a boomer buzz player, like a Deshaun Jackson of old or, um, I think Mike Evans a little bit now, you know, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd probably sit them and play somebody else who I thought wouldn't do that. And so looking ahead, I'm playing Jake Neff in the playoffs of the next round. And so for the first week, I'm leaning towards just playing like the highest upside team I can, just hoping to like my team like goes off. Right. And so then if that's true, then I'll implement that again because if I play conservatively and then I'm down big, I have to just throw everybody yeah. out in week two and then I'm playing catch up, which nobody wants to do. So, Yeah. 
It's a lot of things that's... that are out of my control. <laughs> oh, that's all fantasy football really is. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> but, but that's just kind of what I think about. Uh, do you do anything kind of similar in the playoffs? Uh, I don't really think I've ever had the luxury, honestly, to be able to do that. It was playoffs. my first time. <laughs> yeah, many times I feel like I am stretched really thin and I don't have a ton of depth. And it's just kind of the squad that I go in with is what I'm just running with. Um, unless there's a bye week or something. Uh, I can't think of any instances last year where I really had that opportunity to, right. to pick and choose. It was kind of just same old crew again. Um, but that is, it's really interesting. I think that is something you could implement really every week though. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think like you said, typically you want to go for what could give you the most points mm-hmm. or whatever um, on any given week. But if you can kind of assess your opponent's boomer bust potential there, yeah what their point ceiling could be, point four could be, um, yeah. you might be able to get away with just using a uh, a, uh, a safe approach. Or what did you call it? You didn't say safe. Conservative. Um, conservative, yeah. Yeah. A conservative roster. Yeah, so for example, this is a terrible example this year, but in previous years, Debo Samuel was kind of boomer bust guy, right? Mm-hmm. And so if so, – Jake has Debo Samuel, so I'd, I'd be like, okay, so like based on who they play, there's a higher chance he bust because the 49ers like to run the ball first and they're playing the Lions. Mm-hmm. So I feel safer playing like a more solid guy than like Boomer. But this is also helpful. I guess we can talk about this later, but in the draft as well, if like it's more, it's more for receivers, but if you draft like a more of a Boomer bust receiver, I'll always draft like a steady Eddie type of receiver after that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of, I didn't really have a good transition. Let's just go back to the, <laughs> the strength of schedule, kind of wrap this up. Um, so the easiest for the remaining uh, season is as followed Tennessee, Green Bay, Atlanta, the Bucks, and then the Seahawks. So. Does this impact how you, in your other leagues, Nate, how you, like, view these players, like, with an easy schedule? Because for the Bucks, at least, they play the Bills, and then they play, like, the Jets, the Panthers twice, and then the Saints. Mm-hmm. Not, not a ton of man-beaters or anything. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I kind of started this off saying that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to it, but I feel like I've been enlightened. And I think I would now. I mean, I do. I'm a Leonard Fournette owner in one league. So I think. uh, Yeah. And that's something where uh, we have a two flex roster set up. So I don't really I'm not I'm kind of just playing the best players I have. And I mean, there's not a lot of good opportunities on the waiver wire to claim players. There hasn't been for four or five weeks now. But um, yeah, if, if I did have Leonard Fournette perhaps um, and he was maybe my RB two or three, uh, which I think he is for probably a lot of people out there. Uh, 
I think an easier schedule would really make me want to play Leonard Fournette more. Mm-hmm. I think the Patriots, and we saw it in the last game. Uh, did they play Atlanta last week? Yeah. Yeah. Tom Brady came out and threw the ball like 25 times to start the game. And then, uh, I mean, if they do that against a, a bad defense, they score two touchdowns in the first couple of drives, then Leonard Fournette literally just bleeds the clock out the rest of the game. Right. Which is a pretty good game script. Yeah. Um, one thing I also – never mind, I lost it. I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, now I got it back. Um, one thing I – I Back on the track. Occasionally, especially during the playoffs, is I'll look up like – because you know how there's like – you know, on ESPN, there's like, oh, Buffalo is number one against receivers, for example. I'll go look up, like, how they've done recently on, like, a different website that's, like, I don't know what it is. I wish I could plug it, but it's specific to, like, fantasy football rankings against running back, for example. And the Saints were super high, which is why I didn't play Zeke. But Buffalo is number one. I have Mike Evans, but Tredavious White's out. So, Mm -hmm. You know, do you feel comfortable without Tredavious White? If you're the Bills, I wouldn't. So that's kind of another thing I typically look at. Um, But one other thing, like, looking at the easy schedule, like Tennessee, I have Hilliard on my team. Not that with my running backs I'd ever play him, but I would play him a lot the rest of the season. They play the Texans, the Jags. So those are two weeks they're going to be winning, hopefully. Um and so it's just something else to kind of look at. Just if you want to really deep dive into it and hope it pays off, then there's your answer, I guess. Yep. Uh, are you surprised that the, the Bucks have the easiest remaining schedule? How can we really be just surprised? It's collusion. collusion <laughs> um, so... Um, Nate, do you have anything else to talk about for the strength of schedule, or should we move on to the... I think that about covers it for me. All right, well, I'm going to pass it over to you so you can lock down the rest of this podcast. <laughs> All right, we are going into week 14. Isn't that crazy? Week yes. 14 of the NFL regular season. Yeah. Playoffs should really be starting for just about everybody. Uh, if not this week, next week for sure. If they uh, haven't already. If yeah, exactly. If they haven't yeah. already. Um, uh, but yeah, we're we're getting into it. There's still a lot to be decided before the season's over. Um, Dude, the but, AFC is crazy. I just wanted to touch on that really quick. Oh yeah, there was a. How many six and six and seven and six teams are there? Right I'm now. looking that up, actually. Because There's seven and five, it's ridiculous. It's, I was just looking at the in the hunt breakdown the other day. Because basically everybody, there's only three teams not in the in the AFC that basically has no chance, and that's the Jets, the Texans, and the Jags. But every other team in the AFC, and I mean every other team. So all other nine teams, no, yeah, nine teams, no, all other uh, 13 what? teams. 
right? Yeah, yeah. 13. 13, sorry, math's hard. Have six wins or higher in the AFC. That's, wow, that's, that's abs- insane. That's absurd. <laughs> and in the NFC, it, it's kind of similar where every team besides the Lions in the NFC has at least four wins, which is, I mean, that kind of doesn't seem as impactful as the AFC, but like there's not a ton of separation and there's a lot of parity in the NFL. So I just wanted to touch on that. It's, it's crazy. I have a quick question, random one. Did sure. uh, did Dan Campbell cry after they won? Uh, I don't think so, but I think he was close. He was. Good for him. I forgot to look that up. Yeah. But, yeah. Good for them. They deserve that. They do. Dan Campbell, I think, is a good coach. I agree. But I don't think he should be any kind of a play caller. Is he? I think he is. Like, is he not the defensive coordinator also? Okay, yeah, you're right. I was thinking only offense because that's how I am. But He may, I, he may be, have, like, some play calling duties on offense too. I'm not really sure. I but you know who I could see, or you know what would who often or who? Excuse me, I can't say words right now. Who Detroit would really benefit Eric from bringing in Eric Bieniemy? He'd be, he'd be good. He would be good. I kind of hope that happens. <sighs> me too. Um, locks of the um, week. Yeah, locks of the week. So we're into week fourteen now. Uh, week thirteen wrap up. Uh, John took the Ravens minus four and a half against the Steelers. Uh, everybody should know how that went. <laughs> that did not hit. Um, our whole our whole group was tuning in very closely to that. Um, but yeah, bummer, big bummer there. Uh, the 49ers for Layton minus three against the Seahawks did not hit. I don't think many of us saw the Seahawks uh, winning that game, but they did. And then uh, my week 13, I got really lucky with this one. Uh, So I got this before news of Daniel Jones going out. Um, Or I got this before the news of Daniel Jones being out for the game broke. So I had the Dolphins at minus three and a half. I think by game time on Sunday, it was six and a half. But uh, they, they covered both of those either way. So... We're back on track again. Week 14, um, John phoned in, said his lock of the week is going to be Chiefs minus nine and a half versus the Raiders. Uh, uh, Layton, would you like to to give us yours? Yeah, mine is Cardinals minus three over the Rams because the Cardinals are one of the two best teams in the NFL. And I think the Rams are loved by the media and – more importantly, Vegas. So I will take the Cardinals minus three at home over the Rams. You know, wait, I want to I want to save you a little sweat here. I'm seeing that the Cardinals are two, minus two and a half. So you Perfect. get that extra half point right there. I will, I will put that down. A field goal wins it for you. Um, but no, I like that pick. I, well, I think we were just talking about this. It seems to be that that. Vegas really likes the Rams. Absolutely. Lots of big names there, and they just cannot seem to to get it together. It looks really good against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that doesn't say a whole lot. doesn't carry much weight. 
Um, for me, though, I'm going to take the Vikings minus three. This is the Thursday night game. Uh, Vikings minus three against the Steelers. Um, Vikings play at home. And then I'm also going to slip in a little uh, underdog money line. I like Washington over Dallas. The spread for that game is plus four, but I think uh, there's value there. Washington plays at home. They're on a four, five-game winning streak. Two. Four-game win. Uh, Washington. Two. Or four, sorry, yeah. Two. Yeah, a four-game win streak. <laughs> I don't know why. I thought you said, like, four or five, and I was, like, the second choice. Or you said five or four, and I said number two. Yeah, no, uh... So, yeah, they, they're on a four-game winning streak, going for five, playing an in-division opponent. Um, and the Cowboys, who have kind of been slipping away lately. But uh, I like Washington in that one. Layton, did you have a dog money line? Uh, no, I'm not feeling confident, so I didn't. Nothing? No, absolutely You were, you were talking a little bit about uh, the Bills. You know what? I'll, sure, the Bills money line underdog over the Bucks. Because I feel like the Bills feel robbed, especially by the weather in Buffalo. And it's – what's the word I'm trying to look for? It's difficult because the I feel like this is more of a must-win for the Bills than the Bucks. Because if the Bills lose this game, they're not in the playoffs after next week. That's wild. Just because of like everything else, it's that's like there's no way with all those teams like at, with the same record as the Bills, there's just no way that they're not mm-hmm. included in that, you know? Right. So that's kind of where I'm at. And that's kind of wrapping up this episode. This was a good one. I feel like we ranted a little bit more than we should have, but yeah. it's just our love for the football coming out. It's all it's all that cooped up energy after a week. Cooper Cup, baby. All that Cooper Cupped up energy. That's true. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Please follow us on the Fantasy Chumps podcast. The Fantasy underscore Chumps at Instagram. Nate, it's it must have been a long week for both of us on a Tuesday. But thank you guys so much. Good luck in your playoffs coming up this weekend, and we'll catch you soon. Thanks, guys.